Hey, and welcome to episode two of the MTG Collection Builder podcast, a podcast about collecting Magic the Gathering cards. If this is your first time joining me, we'll be covering news relevant to Magic collectors, we'll be discussing the card of the week and the topic of the week, and this week's topic is Basic Lands. If you haven't heard of MTGCollectionBuilder.com, it's a website where you can track your Magic collection and its value. It's 100% free to use, I made it way back in the day, so feel free to check it out at MTGCollectionBuilder.com. It's in the middle of a big redesign right now, and a new version should be out later this year. I'm really excited for it. And if you want to support the site directly, you can do so now via our Patreon. And a really big special shout-out and thanks to all my current patrons. You guys are amazing. A lot of these guys have been with me since the beginning of the site, and they've given me so much advice and support. And now the direct support is going to make upgrading the website infrastructure like a real possibility. It's super awesome. If you want to join the Patreon, you can check it out at patreon.com slash mtgcollectionbuilder. And you get access to perks like ad removal, access to our Discord, which is actually pretty jumping already. There's lots of activity there. Monthly giveaways and much more. I'll be announcing the monthly giveaways about halfway through the month. Once I assess how much I can give away based on the current support levels. And let's go to our news segment. So there are two news items I want to talk to you about today. The first one is that Unsanctioned was announced by Wizards of the Coast. And I really wasn't expecting this already for it. If you're not familiar with the Unsets... They're kind of a set of joke sets that Wizards makes that are silver-bordered cards, meaning they're not tournament legal, and they kind of stretch the boundary of the limits of magic rules in really fun and interesting ways. The original one was Unglued, then they released Unhinged, then they released Unstable, and this new one is called Unsanctioned, and it's actually significantly different than the previous ones. The previous unsets were booster boxes with booster packs, and you would draft them or play sealed, kind of a traditional box set. This one is actually a box set of five 30-card decks, one of each color, and it combines reprints from past unsets, but it includes 16 new printings as well. And to play, each player selects two of the colors and shuffles those cards together, and then they play with that 60-card deck. So you might pick the 30-card green deck, the 30-card red deck, and mix it together. And presumably, these have been designed to be pretty synergistic and fun to mix the different colors and see how the decks play out. And very notably for collectors, in this set are new printings of full art basic lands, like the previous onsets have had. And it comes with two cycles, one foil and one regular. So you'll get 10 full art basic lands guaranteed in this sealed product. I'm not sure what the final price of what it's going to be. Looking online, it looks like it's going to be between $40 and $60, depending on where you order it. But their full art basic lands are beautiful, and I, I would consider picking up unsanctioned just for the basics alone. And the last news item for this week is my favorite kind of news item. Wizards of the Coast announced an upcoming announcement of five new Secret Layer Drop Series boxes. So they do this sometimes where they announce when their announcement's going to be. So we know that five new Secret Layer Drop Series boxes are going to be on sale during the World Championship, which starts on February 14th, Valentine's Day. And there's going to be five of them, but we don't know much more than that. And they're presumably on sale for a three-day period during the World Championship. And related to this, we, we might want to talk about Wall of Fatigue in a future episode because it's really impossible to keep up with all of these as a collector if you're actually interested in collecting every card. But it is kind of cool that if you're interested in a particular niche of card, there's probably a secret layer drop series box that will interest you here and there. So I wouldn't feel obligated to pick up all of them unless you really are a hardcore collector that's trying to get everything. But we should know more about it next week. And that does it for the news. So now we're going to move on to the card of the week. And the card for this week is Tolarian Academy. If you don't know what the card does, it's a legendary land, and you can only have one, one of it in play. It's from Urza Saga, it's a rare, and you can tap to add blue mana to your mana pool for each artifact you control. 
And this card has a distinct honor of being so powerful that it's banned in Legacy, Restricted in Vintage, and it's even banned in Commander, a format really known for some really serious shenanigans. And shortly after Urza Saga was released, this card, in combination with cheap or free artifacts, was capable of one turn kills. It was one of the many cards that was banned during what was called Combo Winter in late 1998, early 1999, which makes this card really interesting to me as a collector because it was considered the most powerful deck in standard ever. It would use, if you don't know how it worked, it would use a card like Mind Over Matter, which gave you the ability to discard cards from your hand to either untap artifacts, creatures, or lands. And you would do this so you could repeatedly tap and untap Tolarian Academy for huge amounts of mana, so you would just kind of dump your hand of like cheap zero-cost artifacts to fuel it. And then you would target yourself with a card called Stroke of Genius, which lets you draw X cards based on how much mana you spent on it. So then you draw like a whole like 10 or 20 cards or whatever, and then you would use these cards to fuel another Stroke of Genius targeting your opponent, and you would force them to draw like more cards than they were in their library, and they would just die instantly. So not really very interactive when you think about it, and it turns out you can kind of have too much of a good thing, as Wizards learned at the time. And despite all of this fame and classic arts and power, this card you can get one for mint condition for about 40 bucks, which I think makes it a really fun addition to a cube or a personal deck that you know isn't commander played in a strict format because it is banned to commander. And uh, I'm, I'm tempted to honestly buy one after this episode. And that is the card of the week, Tolarian Academy. And now let's move on to our main topic, basic lands. If you don't know, they're lands that have the basic super type, and they each produce a specific color of mana in the game. There were initially five basic lands, plains, island, swamp, mountain, and forest, but then they went on to make on snow-covered equivalents with the snow super type, so snow-covered plains, island, swamp, mountain, and forest. And in Oath of the Gatewatch, an 11th basic land was revealed called Wastes, and it's special because it produces colorless mana specifically. You can have an unlimited number of basic lands in your deck, but wastes have to be drafted in a limited event. You can't just go to the land station and grab 30 wastes for your draft deck. That's the one exception there. And thematically, lands in the flavor of the game, they represent the bonds that planeswalkers have with the areas that they've visited, that they can tap into for mana, which is this magical energy that flows along ley lines of every plane. That's kind of the idea. And cards like Fast Bond explicitly allude to this. So why collect basic lands or even talk about them? I think it's important to underscore that they're really a cornerstone of magic design. Balancing different colors of mana in your deck as part of deck building is really a great game mechanism, and it's core to the concept of color identity too. You can't do everything, so you have to specialize in two or three colors depending on the format that you're playing. They're also kind of special because they're not allowed to print strictly better basic lands at least after Alpha, Beta, Unlimited, and Revised, because we do have the dual lands, and that's why they're like 300 400 bucks or whatever they go for now. And lands are required in all limited formats and in most constructed decks. I'm, I'm sure you can concoct one that doesn't need them, or basics at least, where you would instead run the dual lands or tri-lands or what have you. And lands are cool too, because they have a wide variety of styles and artwork, and magic in many ways is really a game about self-expression. I'm a green player, or I'm a commander player, I like older cards, I, I'm a mill player and therefore very clever. There's, there's all kinds of ways of kind of expressing yourself through the game, and your land selection into that can be one of those ways. And in my opinion, it's land, basic lands are a great way to pimp out your draft kit or your favorite deck. And by draft kit, by the way, I mean a box of sleeves and tokens for the current set and 20 or so of each basic land 
So when you go and play at your local game store and go to a draft, you don't have to be at the mercy of whatever they have in their land station. I don't know why, but they always run out of swamps for me. So my wife and I, a while ago, we just made draft kits and it's kind of cool because you can pick your lands in advance and you can pick your favorites and, and all that good stuff. I highly recommend you do that if you draft a lot. So which lands should a collector care about or know about? Let's go ahead and take a whirlwind tour through magic history starting from the beginning and talk about every possible land that might interest you as a collector and it's, it's going to be quite a ride so hang tight. Starting in Alpha to before 6th edition, lands are pretty simple, they were just basic lands and they would read tap to add blah to your mana pool with the respective color that the land produced. And they featured varied art from many artists and it changed over time, but that was basically it. And if you wanted an alpha basic land, they're about 50 bucks today for an island, to give you an example. But you can get beta lands for about 5 bucks online. So if you just want old basic lands, that's something you can go for if you're like an old school player or you like the old stuff. From 6th edition onwards, and this is, you can tell right away, they changed the lands to have a giant mana symbol instead of the rules text for what they did. And that's because R&D found that it was easier for new players to quickly tell apart lands from spells if they made that change. It made the gameplay a little smoother. And then we get to 1993, where in Arabian Nights, something really special happened. If you don't know, Arabian Nights was originally supposed to be a standalone set with like a pink back that you wouldn't mix with other sets. They changed their minds last minute, which was probably what, the best decision they ever made for the game. And as part of that, they took the basic lands out of the set because it was going to be an expansion that you can mix in, so they didn't need to print more lands. But on one of the common sheets, they forgot to take out a mountain. So Arabian Nights is a special set in that it only featured a single basic land that was printed, the mountain, and only about 30,000 copies of that mountain were ever printed, and that's why it's worth $150 today. So if you really want to pimp out a commander deck, you can go ahead and get one, but you're probably going to have to explain to people like why it's special <laughs> to justify the price, because if you don't know the story, it just looks like an old basic land. Like it's, it's no big deal. And then in 1996, the first Arena League debuted, and this introduced some new promos into the system. Arena League was a magic play program that was meant to be somewhere between casual and professional play at local game stores, kind of to bridge that gap. And at the beginning of every season, uh, players would receive one of a set of five alternate art basic lands. They weren't full art or anything yet, they were just alternate art, but still, they were pretty desirable. The oldest ones go for about 10 bucks, and this program ran from 1996 until about 2006, and most of the years there were five lands. 2002 was unique in that it just had an island, and in 2001, they did two forests for whatever reason, along with one of each of the other land types. But other than that, that's kind of how it went for about 10 years. And there's a lot of unique promo lands that you can get from the Arena League promo program that are interesting to look at, and there's some history to them. And some of them have particularly good art. Uh, my favorite is probably in Arena League 2000. There's a plains where in the distance, I don't know what it is, it looks like an inverted V-shaped mesa. Or it could be a weird tree, I guess, but it, it was very striking and really stood out as unique art to me. And that's probably one I'll chase down since it's just about five bucks. In the midst of all that, in 1998, the first regional lands were released, and these ones were specifically the Asia-Pacific lands, also known as APAC lands, A-P-A-C. They were released in that Asia-Pacific region for people who bought Tempest booster boxes, and they're special because they feature real-life locations on Earth, like Mount Fuji in Japan, the Great Wall of China, and some of the art is amazing. Uh, there's a, a plains in Japan that just has a bunch of sunflowers, or what looks like sunflowers. And it looks really good, and that's why that one is like 40 bucks. 
Also in 1998, the first onset came out unglued, and this introduced full art lands to the game for the first time, which, in the case of unglued, featured extended artwork in an oval frame, and they became so popular that it became a thing to do in onset, so all future onsets have featured full art lands. You can get unglued ones for about five bucks, and then unhinged lands are eight dollars, and they're even more full art, where instead of being constrained to an oval, the art goes almost all the way to the top of the card and almost all the way to the bottom. And unstable are equally beautiful, and then unsanctioned has a nice little filigree on the outside that is pretty cool too. And now we get to the absolute Ferrari of Magic Lands. If you want to be a big show-off and show how much money you have, these are the lands to get. In 1999, Wizards released what they called the Guru Program, and as a way for gurus, quote-unquote, to teach new players magic at game stores and to get promos as a reward. And these cards were illustrated by Therese Nielsen, a very popular artist, especially at the time. And they're very unique in that each land features artwork of like a solar eclipse, happening over a period of time in a very abstract way. It's reminiscent of scientific drawings and schematics, and it's very beautiful, and accordingly, they are $300 to $600 each. They're the most expensive basic lands you can get in the game. In the year 2000, Euro lands were released, and just like Asia Pacific lands, they were given out to people in the European region who had purchased boxes, in this case specifically of Nemesis, Prophecy, or Invasion. And to get these, you actually had to cut out a barcode from the booster box and mail it to a magic distributor, who would then send you the special land booster. And they have real-life locations like the White Cliffs of Dover in the UK, Mont Blanc in France, and so on. They're, they're equally as beautiful as the Asia-Pacific ones. And then in another long-running program from 2005 to 2012, the Magic Premier Shop promos were created in Japan to try to increase the amount of play in that community at the local game stores. They started with Ravnica-themed foil basics that showed the names and symbols of guilds, which were very striking and really stand out. And then they moved on to more basic lands that match the current planes being visited in sets. But the art is super unique, and I've seen beautiful islands with like lightning bolts everywhere, and I really think these are undervalued. There's an island in the Shards of Alara cycle that's only seven bucks, and it looks like a futuristic city. Like It's really amazing. I think these are undervalued because they're hard to find, because even Scryfall doesn't link directly to their prices. And MTG's collection build doesn't even support them yet because they're technically foreign cards, and I'm doing that work right now in my database to add them, which it'll, it'll be in the next version. But yeah, these are hard to find, hard to Google, hard to get. But definitely check them out. I'm going to have links in the show notes to some good Scryfall searches that are pre-configured for you so you can browse through all these lands yourself. But I actually didn't know about these till I prepared researching for this episode, and they're, they're super cool. I'm probably going to buy out half the inventory. And in 2009, Full Art Lands first started appearing in non-unsets in Zendikar, which had a very strong land theme with things like Landfall, where you'd get triggers if a land entered the battlefield. And they're about a dollar back in the day and $15 for foils. So they were like the premier way to pimp out your deck with like foil cards. But they're about half the price now. They're not as highly sought because they're not as unique anymore. And then in 2013, we have the Dragon's Maze promo, which was available only at the Implicit Maze event during the pre-release of Dragon's Maze. And it's a date-stamped plains, very specifically. No island, swamp, mountain forest, just a plains. And you could get it just for participating in the Implicit Maze event. And then shortly after that, in 2014, the Judge Rewards program started having full art foil lands made by Therese Nielsen as well. And her art style is very distinctive, and that's why they go for about $80 each. That and judge promos are kind of hard to come by. 
And then in 2015, six years after Full Art Lands came in Zendikar, they returned in battle for Zendikar block, including Full Art Wastes for the first time. So that's pretty cool for a new basic land that was introduced. I think this really served to further devalue the Full Art Lands from the original Zendikar, and I honestly started to get a little bored of them. They originally were featured in my draft kit, and it just felt like it wasn't special anymore, that they were everywhere. And... You had to work a little harder to pimp out your deck and start some good conversations during draft. And on that note, in 2017, Full Art Lands featuring Nico Bullis's horns in the background of everyone were featured in Amaket Block, which was kind of cool because he's the main bad guy and they had all this build up to the crescendo, the climax of his story. And I think that'd be pretty cool in a thematic deck, especially around Amaket Block time. If you had a standard deck that was really on theme, they, they would go perfectly in that. And in 2017, Rebecca Guayland started entering rotation uh, in the Ixalan Standard Showdown promos. These are events that you can play at your local game store called Standard Showdowns. And I'm really surprised at how cheap they are, even though some of them are, in my opinion, very reminiscent of Guru Lands. And she also has her own distinct art style. They're called Rebecca Lands, colloquially. Especially the Swamp, I think, really resembles the Guru Lands of old. But you can get them pretty cheap. A little bit after that, Grand Prix started doing promo lands as well for attendance in 2018. And they're pretty nice. They show Grand Prix in big letters, maybe too big, but they're foil. The art is alternate art, and it, it really stands out as unique. And also shows that you either attended the Grand Prix or forked out some cash for them, but they're really cheap. They're, they're not expensive at all to get. And in the same year, the M19 Standard Showdown also featured foil promos. These were not by Rebecca Guay, however. They were by Elena Danner. Also in the same year, my favorite guild-themed promos came out during Ravnica weekend for Guilds of Ravnica. And these are foil basic lands that feature guild watermarks, guild set symbols, and background art as well um, in the text rules area. And they look very unique for 2 to $5 each. And there are plenty of them out in rotation since they also did them for the Ravnica Allegiance weekend. And in 2019, getting closer to the present day now, Grand Prix were renamed to Magic Fests where... Don't get me started on the name, I think it's awful. And technically Magic Fest within them have a Grand Prix and other things going on. Magic Fest did promo basic lands as well, in a similar style as to the Grand Prix runs, although there's no big bold text like you had saying Grand Prix in big loud letters. But they still look very nice. Possibly better. And then Modern Horizons featured the first full art basic snow lands because it had a very strong snow covered land theme, especially in the blue green deck if I recall correctly. And they're beautiful. So if you have a deck that really plays around snow, you can pick them up. Technically, you can't use these in a draft, which is super frustrating, even in formats that don't care about snow, because they look really cool. But if you have a deck that uses snow mechanics, I recommend you check those out from Modern Horizons. And Wizards started doing promo packs for each set, and these are the new FNM replacements, where you have a promo pack that has a bunch of random promos in them, and some of the slots have Five lands that are alternate art, and they feature the new Planeswalker stamp on the bottom right-hand corner of the art frame. And they look pretty good as well. Uh, the Planeswalker stamp definitely makes it feel unique. Like, oh, hey, where'd you get that from? That looks like a promo. I'm a little split on whether or not it makes the card look better or worse to have that stamp, but it, it, it is a conversation piece. And in a recent Secret Layer drop series called Eldraine Wonderland, five new snow-covered lands were released. These aren't full art or anything, but they are beautiful. They're set in Eldraine. There's kind of a wintry holiday feel to them for me. And they are pretty cool. They're definitely valuable because if you miss the secret layer drop when it came out, that's it. You've got to buy it from a third party and they're going to overcharge you for it. But if you're really into snow-covered lands, they would go along nicely with the full art ones from Modern Horizons. 
And just a few weeks ago, as of recording this episode, my favorite full art at lands of all time came out in Theros Beyond Death. If you haven't seen them, they're full art lands, and in Theros, you have this area called Nyx, which just looks like nebulas, and that's what a lot of the enchantments appear to be composed of. And the mana symbols for each color of mana appear as nebulas in the full art, and the foils are especially amazing looking. Immediately when I saw those, I ran off to Frankenstein's, which is a local collectible show that runs on the weekend and some weekdays in Southern California. And I found a vendor selling them way too cheap, and I bought 40 of each, 20 for myself, 20 for my wife. And then we bought one of two of each foils to make sure that we could really pimp out our draft kits. And most of my lands in my draft kit have been replaced by these. They're really awesome. And then the last special lands to talk about, 2020 this year, Magic Fests are going to feature a new set of each basic land in foil alternate art. And they're, they're beautiful to look at, but I, you know, I don't think they're as special as some of the other promos that are available, but it's cool if you're going to get them for going to a, a Magic Fest anyway, you may as well. And that's kind of my rundown of Magic history from the perspective of basic lands. In terms of my personal tier list for these, it would probably be Unhinged Lands, followed by Theros Beyond Death. A very specific Noah Bradley Forest from M15, card 268. It has a big tree and it glows green and it's awesome. And I'm still kind of feeling out the rest. Uh, this episode was quite a deep dive into the topic because some of these lands, if you, if you haven't heard of them, you haven't heard of them. It's not like you're really advertised them or exposed to them. I joined the game around Return to Ravnica. So anything before that, I'm not aware of. And there's some really cool ones that I think are really undervalued. And hopefully I don't cause a spike in their prices. And my listenership isn't that big just yet. But I may just cause it buying them all out right after this episode, honestly. They're, they're beautiful. But a quick word of caution. If you're going to f- pimp out either a deck or a draft kit with all foil lands, make sure the rest of your cards are foil too. Because someone warned my wife about this at a Grand Prix and I had no idea. Because I actually did that. I had like a, mostly foils for my lands, and I think we did that for her too. And we were warned that you can actually like get dropped from a tournament. You can get a game loss like for cheating because I guess players can tell the difference between foils and non-foils when they're shuffling or feeling the card on top of their deck. So don't do that. Play it safe. What I do is I just do one of each land in foil, and then most of the rest are non-foil. So it's just kind of sprinkled in, and you may have other foils in there too when you draft, and it, it, I think it's no big deal. It's just when you have all of them be foil that it gets kind of questionable, and I, I know we're all honest people, and it wouldn't occur to us, but there is precedent for professional players getting in trouble for, for doing that. So just keep that in mind. Splash in a few foils. Don't do them all unless you're a commander player and they're all foil, then, then go for it. My final thoughts on the topic of basic lands is that they deserve a lot of respect for making magic the game that it is. Mana screw sucks, color screw sucks, but we have to respect the role that mana plays in the game, which is to really force you to pick a few strategies, and you're going to have strengths and weaknesses, and you try to shore up your weaknesses as much as you can. But you have to respect your mana base. You don't want to go into a draft with the devil's mana base of 6-6-6 in three different colors. It's not going to go well. you got to keep your mana sources balanced, and... Since the game is all about self-expression to me at times, basic lands are a really easy way for you to express yourself, either in a limited format or in a constructed format. That's just about going to do it for this episode, so I wanted to thank you guys for joining us today. If you have any suggestions for either the podcast or the MTG Collection Builder website, feel free to reach out to me at any time, either via email at brian at mtgcb.com, via Facebook where I'm MTG Collection Builder, or on Twitter where I'm at mtg underscore cb. 
I've actually never posted anything on that Twitter account yet, and I'm still kind of getting my hands warm with Twitter in general, but I'm there if you need me. And again, if you want to support the website or the podcast directly, feel free to head over to patreon.com slash mtgcollectionbuilder and check out all the pledge levels. You can get access to monthly giveaways, exclusive updates, having ads removed for your account at the $2 tier, and a lot more. Feel free to check it out at patreon.com slash mtgcollectionbuilder. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. Hey, you're still here. Welcome to the secret segment of the show where I can talk about whatever I feel like, and I haven't planned this out at all, but I mentioned it earlier in the episode, and I just want to talk about wallet fatigue. It's a real thing. When I first started collecting magic, naively, I thought, okay, I'm just going to keep up with all the sealed products that come out, right? I heard about Commander. I haven't played it yet. Oh, look, five new Commander decks are out. It looks like if you buy these, they tend to go up in value, and people regret not buying them because they're uniquely printed cards. So I did that for a couple commanders, and the next thing I know, I'm looking at 20 unopened boxes of commander, and I'm asking myself, what am I doing? When I was collecting dual decks, I actually was pretty good about sleeving them, buying the official dual deck boxes, and playing them. I have a pretty good collection of them. But with commander, it, it didn't really resonate with my wife and I. It felt like the games were a little too long, and we were new, so we didn't really know what the cards did in all the other people's decks. And it, it was all right, but we'd rather just play a draft or like a board game of some sort. Board games are amazing, by the way. You really should check out board games if you haven't had a chance to play the modern ones. They are really, really, really good. It's come a long way since Monopoly and Catan. Like, it's amazing. So yeah, back to wallet fatigue. I burned out buying everything around when the third or fourth commander set came out. And with these new secret layer drop series, like five are coming out that you can buy only over a three day period. I think it's impossible now to keep up with everything that comes out. So you really do have to pick your niche. So really my my mission for you is to, you know, make sure you understand what really makes the game tick for you and just focus on that. If if you feel like a compulsion that you have to buy everything and spend all the time, that's okay if you're that kind of collector, but if you're on the fence, you know, just let it go. Just collect what brings you joy and you don't have to get everything except really cool basic lands. Do get lots of those because they're awesome.